Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your host, revolutionary sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Matchmaker Sales Method. If you're a done-for-you service provider who's ready to grow your profits and impact by converting 80% of your sales meetings without pressure, pitching, or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This episode is with Angie Coley. Angie is a leadership and communication coach. She believes that people, not profits or processes, are the most important part of a business and helps creative service providers and founders become the leaders their business needs to thrive. Angie's nickname is the One Woman Bomb Squad because if anyone can diffuse a tense client or team situation, she can. Her mission is to help you grow your team with more confidence and less stress without becoming a completely different person or losing your edge. Angie has a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon and has consulted with and run creative teams for Jeff Walker's product launch formula, Masterclass, Lowe's, Copy Chief, Orzi Media, and Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad brand. When she's not writing or publishing new episodes of her podcast, Permission to Kick Ass, you'll find her on the road living as a full-time digital nomad with her cats, Stella and Ollie. Let's <laughs> go. Welcome to the yeah. big show. Sales is not a dirty <laughs> word. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here and I'm so glad to find kindred spirits. It is definitely not a dirty word. Well, and I mean, permission to kick ass, that is just my kind of woman who would run that <laughs> show. Um, and when we talked, you know, we talked a lot before the podcast about how leadership is not a one size fits all. And it, and it kind of has been up to this mm -hmm. point. Um, it's a popularly preached method is kind of like not anything new. You've heard it before. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you've come to this style of leadership by basically getting it right by doing everything wrong. Yes. <laughs> I have made every mistake in the book. And that's so interesting. Like we, we talked a little bit before recording about how I, I had a coaching call with some students earlier, working with early stage entrepreneurs who were trying to figure out their voice and their place in business. And this is something that we talk about a lot, client management. That forces them to be a leader, to initiate the conversations, especially mm -hmm. the hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And one of them asked me, like, oh, my God, how are you so good at this? Because I was really bad at it for a long, long time. I have blown up relationships. I have burned bridges. And I have learned to do better. And I think everybody can. Well, and I mean, I've always thought that the best indicator for success in a relationship or a leader is how they handle conflict. Mm -hmm. Would you conflict is going to happen? Yeah. So is that like um, a foundation that you found for your approach? And how does your approach to conflict differ from traditional approaches? I think, I mean, if I could boil down my approach to conflict, I always tell people humans going to human. <laughs> That's the one thing that you can count on them for. And especially a lot of folks tend to go, oh, well, they're, you know, they're an executive or they're a founder, and they're making these decisions based on logic and numbers and weighing the pros and cons. No, they're making this decision based on some random news story they saw, some random presentation that they had on how they felt this morning when they got up and, and pulled their back doing yoga. Humans are going to human, and that includes doing things wrong, misspeaking, being snappy with people. I think one of the best things that we talked about was giving people grace for the fact that they're doing their best. Your bosses are doing their best. Maybe not the Karens that are yelling at the poor baristas. They're, they're not really doing their mm -hmm. best. But like the people that you work with, the clients that you work with, your colleagues, 
your family members, they're usually just doing their best with what they've got. And I think that's what most leadership gets wrong. They focus on getting the most. We want hyper productivity. We want people with butts in the seats and we're performing and we're hitting those goals and we're hitting those targets. I don't want the best from my people. I don't want the most from my people. I want the best. And the best changes on a day-to-day basis based on what we're all going through. And so that's why I really talk about we're all just doing our best. If I didn't sleep last night because a train rolled through and the dogs woke me up and I was feeling sick and something like that, then my best today is significantly lower than my best on a day when I am well-rested, everything is firing on all cylinders, and I'm in high-performance mode, right? It's different. Yeah. And it sounds like empathy is a key part of getting the best out of people because when Mm -hmm. they feel understood, does it kind of negate whatever bad stuff happened? Like they're ready to show up because they've been given empathy and grace? I think so. And I can't remember where I've read it, but it was so brilliant. It might have been, you know, how to win friends and influence people or something like that. It's um, so foundational. But it talked about putting deposits into relationship banks. Like if you're going to withdraw, if you're going to ask something from someone, you can't be drawing on a negative balance, right? And that connects to, I think a lot of suffering that happens for us as people is from disconnection where we don't feel like we understand people or we don't feel like I can go to the boss and tell them what I'm really going through or ask for more time. We have disconnected. Um, And that happens in personal relationships too. And so I think building that connection to where I feel like the open door policy, as corny as it sounds, I don't want to have an open door. I want to have regular touch points. I want to have it set up to where this person feels like they can talk to me about a concern or something that's bothering them. And more importantly, that they're going to feel heard And not that I'm just going, well, I mean, that's a you problem and sending them right back out the door. (laughs) That's no open door policy right there. No. And I mean, I think what you're talking about is, you know, feeling emotionally safe, which so Mm -hmm. rarely happens. Um, Like, can I show you my bad side? And a lot of people feel like they can't show their boss their bad side. Mm -hmm. They feel like they have to be perfect all the time. And who can do that? What kind of standard are we setting for people where you have to be perfect or everything falls down around you? Yeah. And it's so hard. It it makes sense that how rare having an emotionally safe environment is that when it is there, you're probably more loyal. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Because they feel like, first of all, they've been given the psychological safety to mess up and to be human. Second of all, because people who make mistakes and then get the freedom to learn from that I, first of all, I guarantee they are never going to make that mistake again. They're going to learn from it. If it's a big visible mistake, that person is going to be even more loyal for the fact that they got a chance to try again. You still had faith in them afterwards, and they're going to find ways to even over deliver to potentially make up for that mistake. And then that's how risks, uh, risks that get taken lead to innovations and they lead to big strides and big rewards, right? If everybody is scared to fail because of how hard the bosses are going to come down on me, then they're not going to actually take risks or push for new initiatives or try for new products because they're scared. They don't have that safety to try something new. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, when they're trusted and empowered, they're going to be more creative. Mm -hmm. And so when you work with a company, how are you, you customize it to them, right? Because leadership is not one size fits all. Leadership is definitely not one size fits all. And what one team is struggling with, uh, another team may not have ever encountered. A lot of this is interpersonal dynamics and interpersonal skills, right? How we talk to each other, how we resolve conflict. Like you said, 
um, some of the places that I have found the most fulfilling work, I would say, were places that believed that if you're a functioning environment, you don't have conflict or that like you could just sweep it under the rug and go, we're just not going to talk about that. We're going to be over here. No, the the best thing to do, I like to call <laughs> it sounds kind of silly, but I call it my elephant in the room strategy. If there's an elephant in the room, tell people that you see it. It's really simple, but just call attention to it. If there's something wrong with the process or we're going to run late on a deadline or there is something missing from this that we need to address, call attention to it. Say, well, hey, okay, so I know over there that looks kind of weird. You see an elephant right there. I see it. You see it. You're not crazy. Here's my plan for addressing that. For now, let's go into this other room over here and we'll just leave that elephant be. We'll take care of that later, right? So that might look like something in work. Like I have run behind on the last several deadlines. Look, you know, and if this is me as an employee taking responsibility for that, I'm, look, I know that I have not been hitting the deadlines lately. Here's what's been happening with me. Here's my plan to take care of that. If you could help me with this or that, or do you have any ideas, maybe something that I'm not seeing on how I could get faster at this, or is there any wiggle room with the deadline? Well, then I've called attention to the elephant in the room. And there's a little bit more safety for us to actually talk about that. Whereas if I pretend it's not there and you and I both see it, we're both starting to like, wait, what's going on? Am I crazy? Are you crazy? What's what's happening here? Why are we not talking about that thing that you and I both see? And I just, I don't like doing that. Yeah. Like builds resentment and is real, mm-hmm. usually like passive aggressive kind of thing. And what I love about what you were saying is that it's very it's very solutions based. So addressing the issue and then also talking about um, what you're going to do to solve it because I think that a lot of time people just have excuses and it's mm-hmm. just not not going to help anything to have an excuse. So you're saying like have an explanation, not an excuse, and then a solution. Yeah, yeah. I, and I usually tell folks that I'm working with that like if you feel like you have to explain or defend yourself, especially if, if that defense vibe comes in, like they got it all wrong. I really need to explain to them what happens. That's not the place that you want to be in. You want to take some space and some time if you want to, to bring yourself down from the height of the emotion so you don't feel like you have to defend. Once you're in a defensive position, you've pretty much already lost if there is a battle to be won here, right? So if there's something, and especially if I'm in the wrong, I I teach my coaching students this, uh, I call it the hard conversation format, but it really works in almost any relationship where you need to address a conflict or a problem. And it starts with empathy and connection. And it's like, hey, so I noticed something has been different lately. Is everything okay? Normally when we're working together, it looks like this. Now it looks like that. And I'm a little bit concerned. I love working with you and I'd love to find a a way to keep working together. Here's where I'm struggling. This communication has become inconsistent. This deadline is being missed. We're a little bit late on on payment, which means that we're running behind on the project. What I really need to happen is this kind of solution. I could also potentially work with that kind of solution. I don't know. What do you think? Do you have an option that I'm not seeing? Could we maybe put our heads together and figure out what a solution to that problem is? Okay, cool. We've come to a solution. We've come to an agreement. You're going to do this by date. I'm going to do that by date. We'll circle back and talk about this. And so I know I just kind of talked about a a hypothetical problem that doesn't exist there, right? But what I'm doing is I built, I started from empathy. Something has changed. Talk to me, connect with me, tell me what's going on. I've noticed this. You've noticed this. There's an elephant in the room. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Um, And then from the moment that I build a connection, the first thing that I want to do is talk about what's awesome. 
right? I don't just want to come at this from a place of something is wrong. What's wrong with you? Nobody likes being blindsided with that. So if I'm having a hard conversation, I take special care to go, I've noticed something's up. What's happening? I really love working on this project. Did something change? Is something like, what can I do? And then when I'm bringing up the prod, the problem, I am always careful to say, and I will actually use those four words. Here's where I'm struggling Hmm. because that just makes it about me and the struggle Mm -hmm. that I am encountering. And it takes it off, you know, me attacking you. Here's what you're doing wrong. Here's everything that you could be doing to make my life easier, blah, 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 right? Defensive mode. I don't want to do that. I'm trying to preemptively disable that in them. So I'll just say, here's where I'm struggling. This is the problem. And that I'm doing deliberately because I want to connect with you. It's you and me versus the problem. The problem's over there. Let's put our heads together and go solve that. It's not about me versus you because then we're in a fight. And somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. And I don't like that. Um, And then the part where I mentioned a couple of different solutions, of course, I'm only going to have one perspective on solutions. Mine. You might have another solution that I'm completely not seeing because I'm locked in my own perspective. So I always like to invite them. Is there something I'm not seeing here? Is there another solution that we could maybe do that might even be easier than what I'm proposing? Okay, great. And then we figure out which one of those we are going to use moving forward. Problem solved. Cool. We just had a conflict and we didn't die. I love the collaborative element to that. And so much of this honestly mirrors how I approach sales, empathy, connection, collaboration, um, making people feel seen and heard. These are all things that make people feel comfortable and like they can trust you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love how there's those parallels. I know that there are people listening who are like, but what if they've made a bunch of mistakes and y'all have Mm -hmm. these conversations And then they're just like still doing it. Mm. Well, that's when we have to have a hard talk with ourselves, right? Uh, There's only so much that you can control in life and it's pretty much limited to you and your actions. There is nothing that you can do on the face of this earth that is going to persuade another human being to do something that they do not want to do. And if you can make peace with that, then I think you are going to um, really ease up on a lot of the frustration and the stress that builds up when you're like, why won't they just do the thing? If they would just do it my way, things would be great. Well, your way is one of a hundred, hundreds, thousands of potential solutions and it's not working for them or they don't see, they don't understand. They've tried it and it's not working, whatever's happening. So if your way's not happening and the struggle that you have is not being resolved, even though you have tried, Or even if you feel like you tried to resolve this and you made some mistakes or you came from the defensive like attack approach, we're all doing the best we can, right? On a given Mm -hmm. day, you're allowed to make a mistake in approaching a problem solving situation. At least you're trying. Give yourself credit for that, right? But if it doesn't work, know that there's always door number three. And that is I'm walking away. I'm done with this. Right. And that's the scary one because that's walking out the door into the unknown. I don't know what happens next. I'm going to go find another job. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to move to another team. I don't know what's going to happen next. And that's where I feel like a lot of people get stuck in a work environment where they're miserable and they're resentful. And it's just waiting for a bad day for everybody to explode at each other. And then we've got even more problems in a toxic working environment. I don't want it to get to that. Like I would rather leave any given situation that's not working for me while we're still thinking highly of each other. I don't want this house to burn down around us before we decide we've had enough. Like, that's not the way I want this to go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of burn bridges either. And Mm -hmm. also it's just unpleasant. It kind of leaves you with like a nasty residue. 
on you um, that you're like taken with you. Like you'd rather everybody end on good terms because there were good things about it. And I, I really like the collaborative nature of what you're suggesting, because if they help build it, they're more likely to do it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That framework is not about, and I I call it, um, are you playing both parts? Are you having an argument in your head where you're scripting that they're going to step this way and I'm going to say this and then they're going to respond like this and then I'm going to, and if, if I get the sequence right, if I get the blocking of this little play I've written in my head just right, they will play just like I asked them to, my little puppets. They will do it my way. That's not the way it works. And that's why I keep emphasizing you're working with humans. There may be other solutions that you're not seeing. Try not to attach to those. There may be other methods of doing things. Try not to attach to those. There may be things that they're going through that you're not privy to that make them snappy or shut down or not open to working with you. It's probably not personal. And if you can operate from that space, again, of they're doing their best, here's what I can do. Let's try and find a connection. If you keep trying that often enough, somebody who's even skeptical and has been in a toxic, I've been in a toxic working environment. It took me a whole 18 months, I would say, after I left a toxic job to actually trust the next job wasn't going to fire me at any given moment. And like, Mm. I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Mm -hmm. So there are folks that you'll be dealing with that are dealing with that too. They're suspicious of everything you say, even though you have the best of intention. They're doing their best and you're doing your best and just keep trying to find a solution. And if one doesn't come, be prepared to walk. That's all you can do. And it makes such a difference to remember that people have a whole catalog of past experiences that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you're saying. Like the grace is you don't, you don't know what is making them act this way. And it's the same in sales. Like you don't know why somebody almost always somebody has been burned and that's why they're acting all kind of funky and it's Mm -hmm. not personal. It's really not. It rarely is. Even, even people that are being nasty to you and snappy to you in public, maybe they just got fired. Maybe they just got dumped. You know, that's not an excuse to treat people rotten, but I can guarantee you when you look at somebody from a place of detachment, like you take yourself out of it and the feelings that you've got around it. And that's a practice, right? We're not always going to get that right. Especially if we have bad days, we're just going to react. Okay. Give yourself grace. But I, you know, I don't even get mad in traffic anymore when somebody cuts me off because one, somebody's going to cut me off. That's the nature of being in traffic. I just leave space for it. I know it's going to happen. Two, I know that that person didn't get in their car and go, where's Angie? Where is she? I'm going to go get her. There she is. I'm going to cut her off. It's not about me. It's whatever they're dealing with. Um, (laughs) This is probably totally inappropriate for a professional podcast, but something that has helped me deal with irrationally angry people who are being mean to me is just imagining that they they have to poop really bad. (laughs) So they just need everybody to get out of their way to move faster, to stop with the nonsense because they need a bathroom now. <laughs> so that that really kicks in empathy in a in a that's what you're doing is you're like, what if that was the case? I would mm-hmm. have so much more empathy for this person. And um yeah. yeah, when somebody's flicking me off, I'm like, man, that person must be having a bad day. Like I can't yep. imagine how pissed I would have to be to give a random stranger the middle finger. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm with you on that. <laughs> um, okay. So, and I'm sure that the personalities of the people that they're leading play into it. And so like something that works, is that an area where a lot of leadership kind of falls flat is that it's assuming that what works for one person works for another and that kind of a thing? 
Oh, absolutely. I think really good leaders have to be aware of what motivates and incentivizes their their people and how their people communicate. And I'm not saying that you need to build a different program for or communicate with everybody in a different way, but sometimes people need different levels of support. And this person is going to respond really well to having more authority, being able to lead a, um, a project and get a lot of credit and a lot of notoriety because of their contribution. This person is going to be over the moon happy with a you know glowing recommendation and a modest bonus, right? This person is going to be super happy that they get to pitch ideas at the next meeting or they get to lead the next thing. Like everybody is motivated and inspired by different things. And if we talk about currency within business, I'm not saying anything new here for anybody that's studied leadership, but like we focus on the monetary a lot when there are things like time off, um, mentoring and coaching that could happen, uh, special recognition and other things that we could reward people with. Appreciation goes a long way and it doesn't cost a whole lot. It just takes some thought. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of times people just don't know what motivates the pe- their their people. Do you have like a structure mm-hmm. or a way that you show people to uncover that? Um, I think you can. I mean, there's a danger always in asking people because okay. some, especially in a corporate environment where there's like there's a job on the line, right? People are uh-huh. going to answer the way they think you want them to answer. Uh-huh. So there's always a little bit of a dance that happens there because of their past experience and their past context. They may not trust enough to be fully honest. So again, it just comes, the trust is built over time, little step by little step, and eventually they will come around. And if not, then it's probably not a good fit. And you might have to have a hard conversation that involves, look, this is the culture that we're trying to build. Do you want to build this with us? Do you want to be part? Okay, cool. If you want to be part of this, these are the things that we're trying to change. Are you give me some ideas. Is there something about that change that's not working for you? Let's figure out something that works for you too. Um, Okay. It's not working. And that makes me so sad because I have enjoyed working with you all this time, but I'm happy to give you a glowing recommendation. I'm happy to connect you with some resources to help you find the right position, maybe transferring departments over here, right? It doesn't always have to be like, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm the boss. I'm putting down, I'm laying down the law. Um, We're just trying to build something over time give people time to acclimate, to build the trust and knowing, treating that with care, that connection with care, because like I said, it takes a long time to build up the trust and it takes one misstep to destroy it pretty significantly. And then you're going to have to build it back up again. Mm. So that's why I always say it's people first, because the moment I shift my focus and I, I make a decision that's based on profit and I make a decision that's based on process and I, it leads to a bad situation for my people then a lot of the trust is destroyed and you get quiet quitting and you get (laughs) rage quitting and all kinds of other things that are happening just as a result of resentment and not feeling appreciated or valued. Yeah. I mean, I think that we can all probably relate to have had like having that experience at some point or another in, in, in a like personal relationship too. people quiet quit in their relationships all the time also. Um, So there's just so much that, that spills over from leadership to other parts of life. And so what do you think that other people, like where is normal leadership, like more traditional mainstream methods? And then where are you? Mm. I think I am definitely off in left field with the people who are okay with the occasional F-bomb, with people who are okay with uh, weird analogies like the elephant in the room and who maybe are 
playful and they want to do this a little bit differently. Um, I don't like the idea that we've still got so many people who are tied to success involving a number of hours. You've got your butt attached to a chair. That's just not the way the world works anymore. And if you're going to tie yourself to that, I think you're strapping yourself to a cinder block and you're, you're destined to sink unless you can find another way. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to be productive. And that might be one of the way to reward your people too, is to give them the freedom to live their life, to care for their people and to do the work. And in supporting them to do that work, instead of, it drives me nuts, this whole return to office mandate. I got interrupted so many times in my cube when I was still in corporate that I actually lobbied my boss to be able to buy a trifold screen, a wooden screen, to put at the door of my cube so people would stop walking in. Because I'm a creative and I'm literally in the middle of a thought and somebody would walk in and say, hey, can I can I pick your brain for a couple seconds? That's cool. Finish that thought. Too late. It's already gone. It's gone and I'm not getting that back. And trying to get that back is going to be, you know, hours potentially of wasted productivity. I could have finished that at home without the interruption and like gone on about my day and gotten this done in much less time. And even when I was in corporate and I had my butt in a chair for eight, 10 hours a day, you think I was working all that time? Hell no. So here's the thing. It's like, um, I've always felt like as long as somebody is getting their stuff done by the time they're supposed to give it done, get it done. I don't really give a shit. Why are we going to penalize people for being more efficient at their jobs? It it makes zero sense. And Mm -hmm. so- I love that you're like talking about going into companies and implementing like a structure that's different depending on what makes somebody more productive and Mm -hmm. knowing that is very different. I don't think that many other people are looking at that and it does, I'm sure, make a huge difference in the results. I think so too. And I just, I I remember when I hit kind of a breaking point and it was the thing that made me leave corporate and decide I wanted to to go in a different direction was I tried everything I could to stay at that company. And I don't think anybody at that company other than my immediate bosses, the, the copy director and the creative director actually recognized how hard I was trying to stay. I proposed a 410 working schedule so that I could build kind of a longer weekend Um, I proposed like shifting work around, bringing in new hires, changing some processes. Like I tried for years to propose and I'm somebody who doesn't have a problem being, being vocal and Mm -hmm. suggesting things like that and being turned down. There may be people on your team who are deeply uncomfortable suggesting things like that. And they're just suffering in silence, which again, makes it incumbent on you as the leader to check in and see how people are doing. Are you doing Mm -hmm. okay? And pay attention Not just, are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And then just let it go. But if something changes, point that out. Hey, you know, I know, and not just for the negative, right? It's, you've got to balance these things and not only talk to people when they're doing well, because then they start to freak out whenever you come around to talk about, to talk to them. Oh God, what's happening now? Is this the time when I finally get fired? No. If you make sure that you're reaching out and going, Hey, you know, I noticed that you were coming up with a lot of great ideas and really pitching those lately. I, I don't know what changed, but I noticed it. And I think that that's really awesome. And thank you for speaking up and for sharing, right? Call attention to the behavior that you want to celebrate and that you want to see more of. Build structures that support people to have not great days, but still show up and do good work. Uh, And I think you're going to have people that are a lot more loyal. (sighs) 
That makes so much sense. And that's a good stopping point for us. <laughs> We've reached the end of yet another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Thanks again to Angie for making an appearance as our guest today. And Angie, you do such a great job at, I mean, this, this is advice that people could take into their personal relationships, like check in with someone and see how they're doing like once in a <laughs> while, you know? Um, so how can someone find you, learn more about you, work with you? Oh, fantastic. You can visit me online. My site is permission to kickass.com. I am all over social media as either at Angie Coley or at permission to kickass.com or at permission to kickass. You can also find my podcast permission to kickass on all major streamers. I like to call that a seat at the bar, a conversation between two entrepreneurs who are talking about what business really looks like after the conference has ended and the spotlight is off, the pressure is off to look perfect. Um, so I love hosting those conversations and I would love if you would join us for those. Well, I don't know why you wouldn't. It sounds like a good time. Um, so this has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast where we're, we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without pain, pressure, or pretending to be someone else. So if you want to level up your sales results, I have a sales level up call and I'll identify the top three things that you can do to immediately increase your sales. And in the meantime, thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time.